I'm George Comedy, and this is First Watch. Today's guest is Angela Brown, also known simply as Ange, a cyber threat manager who took an interesting route into cyber. I first met Ange on Clubhouse in the Fireside Chat series led by Tomas Maldonado and many other cybersecurity leaders. And then we had the great fortune of meeting up in real life at Black Hat earlier this year. Ange's journey is interesting in that she took an unconventional approach into cyber, and I hope it's inspiring for others who are looking to start in the field. Ange, welcome to First Watch. Hey, thanks, George. I am super excited to be doing this with you. Yeah, I am super thrilled for context. We met on Clubhouse, which has turned out to be this amazing cybersecurity community. We met in person at Black Hat, and now here we are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I loved that uh, brunch that you all hosted. So um, when you offered this, I was just so glad to make some time. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, let's kick it off with the beginning. Um, I have found through numerous interviews that we all come into cybersecurity through many different roads. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my first job was on a sailboat at 15 years, uh, years old. Um, okay. it was a very cool boat, man, black boat, red sails, uh, day cruises, right. I needed some cash, um, uh, that summer because I, you know, I needed to buy a wardrobe for school. Right. So, um, did that and, uh, just kept working. Right. So it was a sailboat to a bowling alley to waitressing. Um, I did a good long stint at Starbucks and then, uh, spent six awesome years at Apple retail. Um, and I came into cybersecurity um, through a chance meeting. I was working the Grace Hopper convention uh, with mm -hmm. Apple Retail. I was kind of, you know, oh, right. great, great with an iPad, right? So I'm telling people where to go and what to do, right? Um, so I was helping uh, the recruiting team out, and um, one of the one of the people there that was doing a little bit of recruiting for her team um, happened to be. Uh, super big wig. If she ever hears this, she's going to laugh to herself. She's super big wig at Apple and cybersecurity. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what it was about me that made her come and speak with me and just sort of take an interest in me. Um, but we went out to lunch and, and grabbed some drinks together. And uh, she just said, what are you trying to do with your life? Like, what are you, what, what are you doing? Right. Um, and I told her, I wasn't sure, but that I just didn't want to do the same thing and be sitting in an office every day. And um, she said, you'd be great in cybersecurity, to be honest. And so um, I just kind of drove home that night and played my first cybersecurity podcast and did not know what they were talking about. Um, <laughs> right, depending on how so, technical, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think how my mind works is that if I, if I don't understand something, I'm just going to go teach myself. And so I decided, you know what? Um, I had made a commitment to a friend of mine uh, before he passed away that I would finish out college at some point. And so I just went hard. I got my associate's degree, um, was accepted to UTSA of nice. you know, UT San Antonio um, in their cybersecurity program and finished that out. Uh, started the internship here and just uh, I've just been building and creating and having one heck of a fun time um, for the last three years here. That's so, great. And we, we talked earlier, you, I mean, you've gone from intern to right. team manager, cyber threat team manager. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, in my internship, uh, and you know, anyone that's coming in this industry, um, I think just, you know, let your hunger show through. Right. 
um, I had started that internship and I think I just pestered them into giving me a job um, and then took that from a, a very small team. Now I've got six uh, guys and gals with me um, all doing investigations and scam research and um, it's really, really been, uh, the highlight of, of these, uh, thirties, um, that I'm in right now. So, nice. uh, yeah, you know, it's, there's a lot of things to pick up on, right. It, you know, you, I've leaned on my soft skills a bunch and learned technical skills. And then, you know, really the growth of this team is a little bit about security metrics and kind of tuning the business side. So that's awesome. awesome. That's really, that's yeah. really good to hear. Um, so what has been your big takeaway from your experience to date? Was it like, I want to go back to like, what is something your quote pre cyber self wouldn't have yeah. thought of? Um, I think as, uh, you know, Ange, as someone not in cyber Ange, someone in cyber <laughs> doing a good job. Right. Um, I think I would have to tell my former self um, that you cannot value yourself on the amount of knowledge that you do not have. Oh, interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, you know, in, in this team that I'm on, we're at the front of it. You know, if something new happens, we find out first, right? If there's a new threat group, if there's a new type of attack, um, if the threat groups change up their IOCs, we are right here at the very front of it. And you can't know the unknowable and you have to be very comfortable with not assigning your self-worth mm. as somebody technical or as a person with the things you don't know. You need to assign it to your ability to deal with ambiguity or your capacity to just sit down and put your boots on and do hard work, right? So um, you're never going to know everything. I mean, maybe some of the greats in this industry, maybe Kevin Mitnick knows everything, <laughs> right? But you know, you're not, you're just not going to know everything. That's a really good point, really important lesson, I think, because, you know, and we're going to get to this, but I think the barrier to entry into cybersecurity makes it feel like you have to have like expert level knowledge, which is, as you point out, somewhat paradoxical to the actual situation you're confronting, which is a constantly shifting environment. Yeah, yeah, it's... um. The issue there is, uh, in my opinion, and I should have kind of started this whole thing out with, my opinions are, not the opinions of my I understood, right? yes. Um, so my opinion is that we are actually kind of sitting in a complex situation of maybe potentially HR not understanding what's necessary in specific roles. Um, maybe even your C-suite not understanding what is technically necessary out of specific roles. Um, and really, you know, I think this industry would just, we, we will just do better if we decide that we do know how to train people and that we are committed to training people and that we find ways to bring new people, all types of people um, into this space, right? So I think, I think really we've got a, uh, and I think the reckoning is happening, right? Um, but we kind of have a reckoning to ourselves about like, more people belong here than maybe we originally thought, right? Yeah, it's it's maybe the maturity of the industry. You know, if you track kind of the evolution of IT into InfoSec, 
you know, you start out with this subset of people who one, have access to computers, two, have the leisure time to tinker, right? And then you go from that tinker model where you're scotch taping solutions for new network environments, like the threats haven't even started to catch up now. And now you're dealing present day with the professionalization of cybercrime simultaneously new finally pressure from above like coming straight out of the white house cybersecurity is a national security issue yeah. right and i think those that confluence of events is is opening is necessarily opening the doors because the the thin pipeline to cybersecurity like it we just can't sustain that like how many no. yeah anyway no. um yeah, we're gonna for, Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, yeah. From for my team, we uh, I hire people that are just coming into the industry. Um, I've always just hired people that are fr freshly coming in. We hire on values, um, and we hire on some of the soft skills, um, and we hire on like that that sometimes not very tangible hunger to know and to do to work right. And so I don't, you know, me to you, I don't. Hire, I've not hired anyone with a CISSP and we're doing incident response and some forensics work and all that. And um, if you have the right attitude and if you will put the time in, you know, that's the person I'm looking for myself. Right. So you can train, we can train. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that's, we're going to circle back. So let me dig into the soft skills bit. Of, so um, a few months back, you had this LinkedIn post that I thought was very on point where you talked about cybersecurity as a service-based job. Mm -hmm. Would love for you to elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, it was a short post, wasn't it? It was kind of like a real short I know, post. but it was so punchy and the punctuation was on point too. Yes, period, 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 service-based job, right? Um, so listen, people are coming into this industry for a multitude of reasons, right? Some people are coming in for the money. Some people are coming in because they like a challenge. Some people are coming in, um, myself included in this, some people are coming in and have decided to not go be a marine biologist because we know that we can help. Our brains are creative enough mm -hmm. to find solutions. You know, we're here for the people, right? But regardless of why you're coming into this industry, you're stepping into a role where you are going to be assisting and providing kind of service to businesses and humans. Cybersecurity wouldn't be an issue unless there were businesses and humans being affected, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, I think the more that we decide that the soft skills are important, things like communication and negotiation, um, and the more humble that we are, which is a soft skill, Cyber Doctor will love me for saying that, so I hope he hears this. <laughs> Um, the more that we decide that these soft skills are necessary because at the end of the day, this is a service-based job, this is a service-based role, um, the better off we are going to assist our users. And here's the thing, you know, we need to understand that as quickly as the threats are changing and the scams are changing, um, we know that this is the reality. Our users should not be expected to keep up with all of those things that our dentists they're doing their jobs they, <laughs> it's, hey, hard right? enough. it's hard enough uh the dentist's role is to calmly and thoroughly explain why you should floss right 
And so when we realize that it's our job to provide a service to businesses and to individuals, um, we need to kind of take that empathy along and, and treat that accordingly. And so we've got, we do need to be nice. You know, we need to be understanding. We need to um, have the uh, ability to kind of take a step back and assess hard situations and tackle things in different ways, deal, again, deal with ambiguity. Um, and so it's a service-based job, right? So that's just kind of it at the end of the day, you're helping something out, you're providing a service. Yeah, so very keen to understand um, as you're bringing people on and good on you for you know, hiring at a new level. I, I've talked with a couple of leaders, Naomi Buckwalter, not least among them, who say like when you when you do hire new you also don't have to break a bunch of old habits right you're basically yeah. training in the way that you want them to operate how what are the things that you look for in those soft skills and more importantly how do you get at those things in the course of either the application process or the interviews like what's how's that barometer tuned yeah so my um my two most important values. Like the two things that I put above everything else are uh, gratitude. Um, gratitude helps me stay humble. It helps me stay present. It helps me recognize. It helps me, um, you know, really straight up, gratitude helps me help other people. Mm-hmm. And courage, courage is the second one. And so I ask the guys and gals that I interview what their two most important values are above all else. Um, and I really like to hear things like, I like to continuously improve. You know, mm-hmm. I want to always be learning. Um, or um, one of my seniors, uh, one of her top uh, two values at the very beginning was family. And that was inherently important to me because watching out for your team uh, ties into family, right? And so, you know, some of the, some of the I'm looking for identifiers that tell me that they're here to help people out, that they care, that they um, want to do better day after day. Um, and so that's a little bit about how that looks, right? That's, that's, yeah, that's good. That's interesting. Um, so we mentioned at the, at the top here that you joined us at Black Hat for our Vision and Voice Leadership Breakfast. And I, yeah. there were two things that I overheard you mention in the conversation. I wanted to return them. Um, I want to dig a little bit deeper into diversity, which was a, a mainstay of that conversation. Right. So you had talked about kind of broader definitions of diversity than I think what the popular imagination conjures. You had mentioned neurodiversity and you mentioned sort of experience diversity. Can we can we take those in turn? Yes, absolutely. So um, me, myself, I'm neurodiverse. Um, I had, uh, growing up, I had some wicked migraines starting at Mm -hmm. about 11, 12 years old. Uh, and at 25, um, they got so bad that I, uh, finally just kind of wouldn't take no for an answer. And under an MRI, we found out that I have some, had something called Chiari malformation. And so about a centimeter of the bottom part of my brain, the tonsils was herniating into my spinal canal. Mm. And so for a very long time, um, my literally, you know, part of my brain was being squeezed and that affects certain things. Um, my speech, uh, worked really, really hard on my speech and putting words in the right, 
in the right place, which could be another um, kind of another medical thing that I've got going on. If you would give me a job, you'd give someone with neurodiversity a job, Mm -hmm. right? And so when I look at myself, um, I see somebody that has come in with hunger, has enjoyed bringing other people on board to the pizza party that is cybersecurity. I see somebody that's able to grow, create new lines of business, create new products, um, really kind of enhance the culture at an organization. And so um, neurodiversity, I would always say, don't be afraid of bringing people in that just seem a little bit different than you uh, if they've got some neurodiversity going on because those people, uh, one, they can enhance the culture of workplace, but two, if you're you're designing a product, really trying to be accommodating and designing it for all people mm-hmm. um, creates has created some of the best products. Siri is a voice assistant and Siri, things like Siri and, and voice control and all of that, um, they were created with accessibility needs in mind, right? And so now we've got a bunch of things that'll talk to us and Alexa can <laughs> right. play whatever song you want, right? And that was founded in somebody's accessibility need. So. Um, altogether, the diversity around somebody that has got something a little different going on in their brain, you're just going to be more creative and and create better things, right? Right. And also, ch- yeah, challenge the notion that there's any kind of standard of right. thinking, really. Back with Angela Brown in a moment. If you like this episode of First Watch and want to hear others, hit subscribe. You can catch up on past episodes like our interview with Naomi Buckwalter about breaking down the gates to entering cybersecurity. And you'll get new ones straight to your feed. Now, let's get back into it with Angela Brown. So how about experience diversity? I know you had mentioned yeah. the role uh, veterans play. Um, so yep. interested to dig in there too. Actually, I'm really um, excited you brought that up um, cause, because we're doing a uh, veterans-based October is going to be so exciting. Uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, right? Um, so October 20th, we're going to do a um, uh, kind of like a panel interview or a roundtable interview. Uh, our company is going to host that with all of the veterans that we've got here nice. just talking about how they've come to cybersecurity. And so um, my team, uh, everyone on my team um, that I've hired is either a veteran or um, spouse of a veteran. Uh, we just we happen to find a really good um, partner in a Microsoft program that's getting veterans trained up to step into cybersecurity and be immediately impactful, right? And so, um, experience of diversity. You know, when you take away the military service of my team, I've got um, two women who are also mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one who had a gap in um, in in uh, like job experience, right? Um, I've got a couple of people that worked retail jobs for a good long time. Um, and you know, it's, it's being able to kind of take those fantastic skills that retail jobs teach us that teachers, you know, come already with, um, that medical professionals, um, are trained in the field. It's taking those skill sets, again, those soft skills and just giving them enough technical skills to get them involved as soon as possible and continue to grow them out. And so um, I'm a firm believer of veterans programs. Uh, I think that they are, I think they're all just so wonderful. Um, And then, but then seeing veterans come into this company and be able to um, 
bring in not just the, the soft skills, but the value sets. So courage and the desire to help people out, the idea that there's something bigger than themselves, that's necessary in cybersecurity. 100%. Because let me tell you, ooh, those 70 hour weeks are long, right? Yeah. And so if you don't have something deep inside that's kind of holding you uh, to that core or value, yeah, if you you're know, in the middle of if you're weeks. in the middle of IR, you better not turn on your teammates. <laughs> no, you cannot. No, uh, there's no such thing as turning on your teammates. It's literally not possible, right? Right. Um, so I think some of those those uh, uh, just kind of personas that we see in our veterans are inherently necessary here. Um, but it's aside from that. It's it is bringing in people that have spent time in the medical medical field and and who are looking to change careers. Um, because they have a sense of urgency um, or they have the ability to keep calm under pressure, right? Or teachers who can take a very technical thing mm -hmm. and move it into the right space for a non-technical audience. Um, and so that's experience diversity. Or right? the patience honed in the trenches of retail. <laughs> God help you. Yes. <laughs> Listen, Apple retail will always be the some of the the most formative years of my life i cybersecurity won't have it it'll be apple retail for sure i think that brings up a great point which is that it's if you focus on the technical you sort of miss the forest for the trees that these soft skills so-called is right. it's really hard to to quantify because it's the result of cumulative and also combinatorial experiences, right? You're bringing in multiple things. And I think that's a good point when it comes to the experience diversity. Also, because like every team is stronger if people can bring to bear different things that they've learned, different things that they're thinking of. Um, but that's, yeah, that's a great point. So I wanna circle back from there to something you'd said very early on, which is um, HR, you know, we've talked with some other leaders about how important it is to work with HR because I, you know, I think HR, if they're in charge of filling jobs, they, they, the typical template is I, I take requirements that are defined right. and I build out these skill sets and then, but then you go out there and like every entry level position requires security plus CISSP, three to five years experience. I don't know how you get anyone entry level with three to five years experience. And so yeah. right. what do you, what has been some ways that you have worked with the hiring in your organization to, to think differently about like how you're taking in applications or interviewing? Well, that's a great question. Um, and uh, our, our HR is, um, I mean, just incredible to work with. And so I think it's in one sense, I think it's having somebody in an HR position that doesn't think of hiring in a traditional way mm -hmm. or recruiting in a traditional way. Um, if you are going after entry-level individuals first, I mean, really you have to have a plan in place to do internship programs and to train, to train in the first place. You've got to have training plans for people who um, are coming in. If, if those don't exist, that needs to get done first. Absolutely. Um, I was, I was the very first intern, um, in the IR side. So, you know, we were able to kind of immediately set out some procedures and just write things down and that's really helped. Um, so don't be afraid to hire interns and then have your intern just kind of write up, you know, how they would be 100%. trained again. Right. So one it's, 
human resources uh, to not assume that cybersecurity is traditional, that X plus Y equals Z, right? Because we know that there are a ton of people here in this industry that did not go to college because they did not need to, um, and they are A team players. So one, it, you know, we've got that side. And then two, it's really communicating with the security team or uh, you know, whatever team is, is being referenced to design these things. Um, our human resources team asks us for job descriptions. Who, who would you see? What are the skills that that person would have? And then they kind of attempt to create the job description around that instead of just saying, you need this, you need to have this. Um, so I don't think any of our job descriptions say anything about years of service, to be honest. Um, maybe, maybe the business resumption side does, uh, but that is such a specialized group, mm -hmm. um, that you, you kind of do need, it's not entry level. We're not hiring entry level business resumption people. Um, right. and business resumption is basically the, the guys and gals that step into the burning building as ransomware has deployed. Mm -hmm. Right. So well, that's, that, that's and that's making different. a good point is being able to, uh, precisely locate where you can yes. hire entry level, whereas like we got to double down on experience over here. Correct. So. Right. Your SOC analysts, you know, they don't, maybe they don't need three to five years because you've got somebody who has great values. You've spent time and in, invested in a training plan and you can put those two things together. Right. So setting clear expectations for them on what they need to understand by 90 days is a great way to bring people into the industry. Right. Yeah. You have someone who's yeah, hungry I, enough, they'll get it. For sure. And I, and I, I can't remember where I heard this. It might have been in one of the fireside chats on Clubhouse, but I remember a CISO saying that one of their most effective SOC team analysts was like a history major. And it was because they had this intense attention to detail and could basically right. see into the weeds very quickly. And I was like, that is incredible. That is an incredible hiring story. Right. Yeah. I mean, and there, there are thousands of people out there uh, that are just like that, that can fit perfectly into spaces here in cyber. Um, That's awesome. And, so, and I, yeah. and also your story at the beginning of uh, the woman from Apple's cybersecurity team, I want to circle back there. We, we spoke with Taz Khan earlier this year, and she mentioned how she was working retail and l this woman walked in, she was, dressed fabulous she just looked like a boss and and yeah. she basically just approached her and was like what do you do and she's like i'm in cybersecurity." and just like the <laughs> the allure of like what that could do for that woman was attractive enough for her and that's so that's awesome right. but i i take that um as a really great story of mentorship she saw something in you and she took the time out of her day so can you talk about what else you've gained from mentors and the flip side of that, what, what you're trying to give. Yep, absolutely. And I actually have a similar story. My, um, my boss, uh, the reason I am here is that my boss came uh, into Apple for a reservation. Uh, we were 35 minutes late on his reservation. Um, <sighs> and so he came in, I was assigned him. I knew we were behind. Um, and I, you know, I just kind of uh, uh, came up to him and, and just, I was like, Hey, you're, you know, you're Brian, what do you do? You know, just kind of this jovial mm -hmm. uh, mindset. I thought he was livid. 
Um, but apparently I made a pretty substantial, um, uh, had a substantial effect on him because when I asked him what he was doing and he said, I'm in cybersecurity, I was like, oh, you're in cybersecurity? I want to be in cybersecurity. Uh, he was like, oh, well, then you should come intern with us. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, that's <laughs> so yes, please, by all Done. means, like, be, yes, in your retail jobs, if you're trying to get picked up, ask questions about people coming in because you can definitely network to find a spot. So that's one side. Um, Brian has done a, uh, my mentor, my boss, he's done a fantastic job at continuing to push me, um, not just to, you know, do the technical side and learn more about the technical side, but he's really also challenged me to develop my mindset as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told him specifically that I wanted to mimic some of the things that I saw him do. So he's mindful to catch me in my moments and just kind of, you know, say, oh, well, what about this? You know, have you? Have you considered this idea as a leader? And so on one side, you know, some of the mentors that I have are, are really involved with how um, I'm progressing in, in a leadership role. Um, but one of my other mentors here at the team never hesitates to invite me to a meeting if he's doing a kickoff on a red team event, uh, because he knows I'm really curious about that side. Um, he, he constantly asks me questions uh, about things that he knows I'm learning about. Um, and, and it's just this continued relationship, right? And it's engagement, mentors, right? It's like, it's, it's showing engagement. interest. In. It's caring about how, not just that someone is learning, but really ensuring that they're picking up the right information from that education. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, um, when I'm providing mentorship to either my team or to people outside the company, um, I want people to understand, especially people that are coming into cybersecurity, Um, I want them to understand how to get answers and who to ask and the right way to do it. Um, Because so many times I've found myself up at 11 o'clock at night or midnight, just really trying to find a needle in a haystack uh, in a piece of literature um, on a Microsoft website or somewhere on a, you know, feed somewhere. Right. And so one of the really important things that I've been kind of focusing on as people are coming into the industry is, well, I can answer that for you, but where else would you go to find that out? Mm-hmm. And then kind That's of helping awesome. them figure out how that works. Um, and then similarly, now I'm at the position where I've been in, in the mid-level management role. And so the guys and gals that are coming up and trying to mimic my great mentors and help them with the things that they're helping me with. So this knowledge transfer gets to happen. That's good. That's that's a culture of learning. And also, man, what a crazy job. Cyber is like detective, right? librarian, firefighter. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, EMS. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Right. Counselor, therapist, yeah. you know, <laughs> all of it. Right. Um, yeah. Which is, is, it's great though, because if you're in this industry for a reason that's really driving you, you're never going to walk away from a day uh, feeling like you didn't make a, an impact. You're always going to make an impact, right? Yeah. My, my, yeah, my concern with the growing number of cybersecurity, uh, university programs is that they will be unduly focused on the technical and they won't teach you how to present your findings to a group of stakeholders or, um, what happens when I was joking with, uh, another InfoSec officer that in an IT department, if they're teaching this team, 
you know, like maybe there's a cohort project, like build a network and show us how you say, just secretly assign the other half of the class to red team it and then see what happens. Right. right. Yeah, no. And, um, you know, I just, I finished up my university program, uh, last year and, um, I sat down and really, thank you. It was, uh, years in the making. So I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, I was sitting down and I was really considering like this knowledge that I had just picked up and I actually ended up with the same result. I, I kind of sat down and I was like, yeah, but how am I supposed to tell any of this to a lawyer? <laughs> so the moment, really, right. The moment that I sat down in the, on the forensic side here, you know, I spent hours writing reports and listening to feedback and really, you know, just shaking in my boots um, as I'm like trying to figure out how to present findings, again, mentorship here is is what made all the difference. But that is a really specific skill set. It's like, how do you present forensic findings to a lawyer yeah. who's going to use this to, you know, decide whether or not uh, reporting obligations need to be had or for sure or someone gets sued, right? Yeah, we have to. Uh, yeah, I think presentations are important. And then I think when you teach people how to present, you should also unplug the the computer or a crash powerpoint you know just a real world scenario like yes the av the yeah. av is going to go south at some point yeah well and oh my gosh i saw um at uh austin b-sides just i saw that happen this um presenter was putting on um a talk and it was her first time and the av system completely stopped and, and really like i would offer her a job in one heartbeat because she kind of looked up at the screen and she looked over at um you know the the staff yeah. and she was just like Okay, so what we're going to talk about today is X, Y, Z, and it was Brilliant. almost just this fluid like, oh, that's broken. That just happened. <laughs> Let's do it anyway, right? And so those things are like, if I see someone do that, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go talk to that person and see, 100%. you know, do you need a job? What's going on? You know, where do you fit at here? So. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So in the in the final minutes here, I have I'm going to ask you two questions, just hot takes, yes or no. Sure or you know, whatever the option is, and then maybe we can dig in. But hot take number one, cybersecurity job shortage, real, yes or no? I think we've got a shortage. I right. think there's a shortage of people to fill roles um, just by the numbers. Um, now addressing that is a little bit more complicated, right? Because I think we can fill a lot of, um, we need to be thinking smarter about it, right? So there's actually a lot of roles here that Again, we lean on diversity and candidates and, but there's a lot of automation that can happen in some of these spaces mm -hmm. too. Um, and so uh, one of the projects that we've been working on is how do we automate parts of this role down so much that my guys and gals can go learn other things? Yes. And then how do we automate those? Because mm -hmm. we just did it here. So yes, there's a shortage, um, maybe potentially also a shortage on creativity and the willingness to try new things to make things more efficient. Good. I also sometimes wonder if the, the shortage, quote unquote, is of our own devising, right? If we're just erecting all these barriers, but yes, good. Okay. Um, hackers, not ransomware criminal groups, but I'm thinking like, you know, the lone hackers who just like pop things just to see if they can. Right. Jail time or jobs? Oh, my values tell me jail time. Okay. My, I'm always if you're curious. Not to, yeah. My values tell me jail time. Um, 
if you're not supposed to be doing something and you know you're not supposed to be doing it and you do it anyway, you're running a risk and you know you're running a risk. Um, there you go. So, you know, that's not to say that the moment that they come out or even as they're a couple weeks into their stint, um, that that they shouldn't still be seen as potentially beneficial to society. There you go. So like the that. turnaround there, George, is yes. How do, yeah. we have many people in our prison systems that it absolutely should be seen as how can these people be beneficial to our societies 100%. once they've paid their dues, yes. right? Conse consequences, but let's think about like, what's the turnaround plan instead of just like pop them back out on the street and then they go join a ransomware group. Yes. Right. Or they can never get a job. Right. You know, mm. there's that story floating around uh, the internets right now where um, I guess a lot of the firefighters in California are actually in the prison systems. So they've trained mm -hmm. to be firefighters. Yes. And, yeah. But then when they get out, they can't get a federal job because they're a criminal. So we've yeah, spent tax is... money and time and energy. Mm -hmm. And these men and I'm assuming men and women are fine putting their lives on the line to protect parts of the country. But then we won't pay them when they get out. No, that doesn't work. Mm, yeah. Come on. That doesn't comes work. back comes back to values. There yes, sir. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that is that is our time that we have. I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and your desk assembling party uh, to talk oh, with us. You. Awesome, George. Thank you so much, and give my uh, give my best to the uh, safeguard team. Um, I had a great time with you guys out in Black Hat. So please tell hi, you know, say hi to everyone for me, and and give them absolutely one hundred percent. That's it for First Watch today. A big thanks to our special guest, Angela Brown. First Watch is a production of Safeguard Cyber. It's produced by Chloe LeClaire with help from Phil Totora. Edited by David Traunstein with original music by Matthias Cefaletti. Subscribe to First Watch wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And until next time, stay safe, stay strong.